Welcome to Nice Ashes. I'm Nate. And I'm Mike. Now, what in the heck are we smoking tonight, Mike? Well, on a theme from a previous episode, we are starting our CAO Flavors extravaganza. And the one we're smoking tonight is the one I've had. Uh, I've never tried any of the other ones, but it is the CAO Moon Trance. And how would you describe this flavor? Uh, it is officially bourbon vanilla. And the wrapper itself is a little sweet. Yes, I noticed that. And uh, the smoke is sweet as well. All right, so I'm lit. It is It is a bit sweet. It's not, uh, I would say initially it's not overpoweringly sweet. No, in my experience, these have not been overpowering. They're just a it nice... It is, um, you know what? I uh, It took me about four or five puffs to finally get the vanilla. Uh, I'm not I'm not getting a whole lot of bourbon right now uh, flavor, but uh, the vanilla is coming through. And it uh, is... Bourbon vanilla is a type of vanilla. Yes, I believe, I think. I can I can okay. do some internet research and find that out real quick. What I, I thought know? it was bourbon with vanilla, um, but I, I don't know. Uh, so far, I like it. It's a good change from our Cohiba Black that we smoked last episode. Yes. Um, I I wouldn't probably want to smoke two of these in a row. Uh, just initially thoughts uh, out into the void. Uh, but, you know, I also don't necessarily want to drink, like, two hard seltzers in a row either. Mmm, yes. Uh, but speaking uh, of drinking... Vanilla. Oh, yes, oh, drinking. Well, you do do the bourbon vanilla thing first. Okay, bourbon vanilla is a type of vanilla, and it is the uh, OG uh, powerful vanilla uh, from Mexico. Okay. So uh, for those of us who go to Mexico occasionally and pick up the big bottle of pure Mexican vanilla, that is bourbon vanilla. That's why it's so good because it's the real Got stuff. Got it. Yes. Well, I real... do like this. I do like this vanilla flavor. It does not taste uh, artificial, really. You know, it's got a nice, nice feel, a uh, nice taste profile to it. Yes. I would say. Uh, I'm drinking uh, with my cigar uh, an Insight Vibe, which is a New England IPA from a Minnesota brewery. And I am drinking Michelob Golden Light because I had some extras from my trip. And uh, a nice, clean, crisp, light beer is perfect for a cigar like this, I think. Yes. Any beer is a good beer if you like it. Yes. I uh, saw that on a, a bumper sticker once. <laughs> no, I didn't. I just was trying to be um, prophetic, but I'm not. <laughs> uh, again, we always have this disclaimer. For those listeners outside of the northern territories, uh, McGolden Light is a kind of like a Bud Light Miller Light. Um, it's a it's regional. It's a, It's better. I think it's better. But it's along the same vein. So, uh, real quick about McGolden Light. This is a, an interesting story for me, maybe not for you. 
but I didn't force you to subscribe to our podcast. So here we are. Um, one of my good buddies uh, spent many, 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 many years. He's eight years older than me, so many, many, many years, um, many years uh, bartending. And I, for some reason, in my head, I thought Coors Light was the end-all, be-all for light beers. And I had um, gone to the bar he was bartending at and drunkenly, uh, not so drunkenly, drunkenly, maybe, I don't know, I wasn't there, uh, mentioned that uh, Coors Light was the best light beer. And he goes, hold up, fucker. And what he did is he blind poured me a taste test. We did a blind taste test right there in his bar. He poured uh, Bud Light, Coors Light, and McGolden Light. And he said, McGolden Light is the best light beer you can ever drink. And I said, no way, dude. And uh, so he poured me those three. And uh, he mixed them up behind the bar in little shot glasses. And I tasted them. And the one that I liked the best, sure as shit, was McGolden Light. Um, compared, if you do a blind taste test with the, the three of them, it's very weird. It's very interesting because the Coors Light, even though you think it's better than Bud Light, I don't know. I might rank it the least um, least tasty of, of all of them. And it, it just has to do with their marketing, I guess. Um, so that's really like uh, the power of marketing. But if you do a blind taste test, um, you know, McGolden, uh, I'd drink McGolden if I was drinking I like a light it. beer. Yeah. It's kind of a special treat for my friends who aren't from uh this area because they don't have access to it uh okay so anytime you can get something it's kind of like yinglings uh on yeah the we Coast. just had some of that one of our uh one of our neighbors brought back a 12 pack for us and uh it was good i liked it i really but you like can't get yinglings. it you can't get it here in, in minnesota so no you can't i actually saw a guy uh fishing who had yinglings and I didn't have any beer on me, but if I did, I would have tried to trade him one. Yeah, I would have traded, yeah. Here's a Mick Golden for a Yingling. Yep. Uh, Yingling is the uh, the oldest brewery in America, though. It's the first heard. brewery. Um, so that's kind of their claim to fame. Yeah. I'm. Uh, and, and their beer is tasty, so. It is. All right, what are we talking about tonight, Mike? This morning, whenever you're listening, whatever time it is on your clock right now, you look, and then yes. that's what we're talking about right now. Yes. Um, I believe the topic today is going to be the leak, the leak that we had from the Supreme Court. And not Roe v. Wade. Oh, yes. Roe v. Wade. <laughs> okay. Um, I think, I think, like, just initially up front, let's just, let's up front, uh, both Mike and myself are men. We do not have uteruses. Uh, we we know this. We understand this. Uh, we're going to say some things, I'm sure, that will be offensive to somebody somewhere, somehow, some way. Additionally, <clears throat> I would like to say, because this does matter, uh, Nate and I are both in a position where uh, abortion's likely not going to be a part of our lives at this point uh, because we're both stable adults in stable relationships and uh you know if uh my sarah got pregnant we would not have an abortion so uh, it's not really <laughs> not really something that personally affects either one of us uh nate has a child as well so you know that it's not gonna affect him and his wife <laughs> so but we're gonna tr we're going to try and be objective uh, with this discussion 
and hopefully not piss too many people off. But um, well, I'm sure I you will know. because I have a pretty hard. I'm line sure stance. I will too. Okay, I'm, well, I have a let's, very uh, very hardline stance. Okay, <laughs> let's uh, let's get into it then. What's your hardline stance? Let's just get that out of the way, and then we can talk. Sure. Um, unborn children are not citizens of the United States, and they do not have rights. Uh, it's not about morality. It's not about what's right and wrong. Government policy is not about what's right and what's wrong. It's about laws and about the rights of citizens. And uh, oftentimes, governments do things that are not morally right. That's why we have uh, we round up illegal uh, illegal aliens, uh, even though they're fleeing war torn poor places and they're trying just trying to work and feed their families. That's why we get into wars. That's why we uh, do all sorts of things. Uh, we as in our society, our government is not a moral force. Uh, it's just a function of our society and it makes laws to make uh, everything functions more smoothly, right? There's not a moral element on fixing the road. There's not a moral element uh, to regulating pollution, uh, in my opinion. A or regulating kind of flavored it. cigars. Right. Uh, a lot of people try to bring emotion and morality into government functions. And that is not how good government works. Good government works on just facts and focusing on the facts. And the fact is, is that a woman carrying a child is a citizen and the unborn child is not. So the woman has all the rights and the unborn child has zero of the rights. Uh, that's just the way the laws have to work in order for our society to function. If we look at nature, right, um, a lot of other species, uh, their children are their offspring. Uh, I don't know. Some people get uh, kind of messed up when you talk about pets or animals as like people or whatever. So uh, the other animal's offspring uh, are usually born and then in an hour, a couple hours, they're like good to go. Uh, mostly, you know, yeah, they still need their mom, uh, for food, nourishment, some protection, but they are up there running, they're walking, they're jumping, whatever. Um, and, and us, our evolution has favored the brain. So it, it keeps us, um, in for as long as the brain needs to cook. And then we're out and we need, you know, the year, year and a half to actually be able to walk around um, longer to speak cohesively, coherently to other people, to communicate. Um, so you could say that a fetus in the womb, um, if, you, if you were to say, well, you can't abort this fetus because it is a person, well, take it out. And um, you're going to find out really quickly that it's not. It most certainly is not. It can't sustain itself. It can't breathe on its own. It can't. It can't even find food on its own. Um, you know, a, a, a baby human abandoned on a doorstep. If nobody checks the doorway, uh, it will die. It, it doesn't have the means to feed. It doesn't have the means to protect itself. It it can't move. Um, it can't even roll over yet. I mean, that's a that's a developmental milestone is being able to roll over for humans. Right. And uh, for those listeners who are trying to argue against Nate, uh, 
he's talking about wild animals, not domesticated animals. Uh, a lot of people have experience with domesticated animals, and a lot of times domesticated animals are helpless for weeks and months. Uh, yes. But that's because we domesticated them and made them that way. Uh, a dog cannot survive away from human society. Uh, we we purposefully evolve those animals to be dependent on us. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and it's, it's crazy because it, sometimes it doesn't even have to do with evolution. Um, there's a raptor center here in Minneapolis, and they uh, rescue eagles and falcons and, and other raptors, birds of prey. And there are some that are there, and they say this bird can never, ever be released back to the wild, even though we're here to re rehabilitate them and to release them. That's our, our core mission. Uh, but if they've become too humanized or too dependent on humans, they cannot go back. Uh, they'll just die. Um, right. You know, and so... I can, I can, you know what? I can see on one hand, if we're going to stick with the Raptor, let's stick with the Raptor Center just for, just for a moment. You, you save a Raptor, you rehabilitate it, and you say to be, to truly be a Raptor, you need to be in the wild. Well, if you release it in the wild, it will be killed or die of starvation. And then the Raptor you spent all that time and effort on, um, that was all wasted. Uh, more or less, because maybe you bought it a couple extra months or a year, uh, but it wasn't ready to go back. And and part of the way that humans have evolved is we're very uh, tribal and, and, and social. And, um, you know, you need that. I don't know if you need the full 18 years, uh, but you certainly need... Um, I don't know. I don't know if it's six. I don't know where it would be where you could go and actually kind of like survive on your own. Uh, it would depend on where you're from and, and where you live for sure, because in a big city, it's different than out, out in the wilderness or out in a, a more rural setting. Um, but that's part of part of how we've evolved is our, our children, our offspring, they're dependent on us for a good chunk of their early lives. And without that input, um, it's very, very detrimental and, and life-threatening in some cases. Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> Children are extremely labor-intensive uh, for a decade, at least a decade. Yeah. Um, our daughter, she loved, she loved playing um, in the snow, and she would play out there literally all day. Uh, but in Minnesota here, it gets below zero, and she doesn't know that. She doesn't know what frostbite is. She doesn't know what uh, exposure is. And if we weren't watching her and didn't bring her in when she started getting cold, even if she couldn't tell that she was cold or couldn't articulate that she was cold, um, you know, there's there's certain things. Like, there's environmental factors to, uh, to consider as well. Absolutely. Uh, but this is just kind of a lengthy way of saying or trying to say that we're, we're trying really um, to look at this from as many angles as we can without becoming overly passionate uh, about one side or the other. Because like most things in American politics or just American society, because football teams um, can be very divisive and um, you can get to the very the us versus them argument very, very quickly in anything that you try and talk about uh, oh, with very Americans. Quickly. Very quickly. And uh, especially when people try to bring up morality, uh, because that's 
like your opinion, man, you know, you, that's not a fact. You can't back that up with evidence. You can make moralistic arguments, but you can't. It's not like one plus one equals two, you know. And and maybe and maybe this is a good kind of piggyback off of our last episode when you were talking about the the Treaty of Tripoli, where we're not, and never have been, maybe until recently, a Christian nation. Right. Right. You know. Uh, right, and neither one of us are Christians, so that does skew our perception. It skews uh, it. Not that I was raised Catholic, so I do understand. Yeah, uh, I was raised Lutheran, which is Catholic light, so... Um, right. You know, we have less Latin, but just kind of, um, you know, as much kind of strict adherence to uh, random random ramblings from the sky. Uh, the Bible, I mean. <laughs> oh, geez. That's a, um, that's a, that's, that's a zinger that's going to make people upset. Good. <laughs> Let's get get your heart pumping. Uh, sure. you know, heart disease is one of the leading uh, killers of Americans. So let's uh, let's get that blood pressure up a little bit. Let's let's delve into this. Uh, first and foremost, I think I should say this out front. I am not concerned in the least about the leak from the Supreme Court. I don't care that it happened. I don't care who did it. I don't want them to be punished. Um, our 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 uh, court of the land should not be secret. Um, I, I I don't care about the leak uh, as much as I care about what was leaked. See, and I will come up. I will say that I am not uh, I'm not against the leak. I think that it was politically motivated. Who knows by who? Uh, there's various factors that go into it. And I ultimately don't think that Roe versus Wade being struck down is going to matter ultimately because uh, people who support abortion are the majority and uh, the states that have a lot of Democrats are already have legal abortion. It won't change the states that are run by the anti-abortion forces, generally Republicans, already restrict abortion extremely. Um, <clears throat> I think that eventually those states will loosen up their abortions uh, regulations due to public pressure. Uh, unless there's some crazy riot, there won't be any immediate change. Unfortunately, people will suffer, usually poor women, typically poor women or teenage See, that's women. that's what I was going to say. You know, that's who's getting abortions to begin with are poor women and... Uh, you know, disadvantaged women and teenagers or women that have are their life is threatened or who've been raped, you know, there's usually a, not a good situation. I mean, I, I should say 100% of the time, there's reasons why people get abortions and it's because it's not good. I don't have any proof of this, but I saw something that said that, um, you know, the people who outlaw abortions are the same people who will drive their kids to the abortion clinic or will pay extra to have a um, kind of a clandestine abortion where nobody knows of it. Um, and, and I think it just kind of comes down to if you're in the ruling class, you're not the average citizen, whether that citizen is, is wealthy or poor. If you're in the ruling class, a politician or a corporation that sponsors or has bought in several politicians, um, you know what? The laws don't matter to them. Um, and they're going to do whatever they do. 
and mostly what they do is kind of two-faced and is really for some um uh, it's a, the best way to explain this is kind of like i've been reading dune in the dune series and i'm on i'm halfway through the second book already but um uh, one of the lines in there is like plans within plans within plans and so some of this stuff like we're just not going to understand like why does why does a republican conservative republican christian want to restrict abortions when maybe they themselves have driven their daughter or their son's girlfriend to go get an abortion like what's in it for them i i don't know i couldn't tell you it's something that i can't i can't put a number on i can't put a figure on because i'm not in that in that circle in that realm i don't know what all happens um happens there the polling shows that about about 25% of the country is 100% against abortion. Uh, and then about 60% are for abortion in some fashion, uh, of which about 25% are like me, where it's like abortion all the way. Like, I don't care. It, it, it's, it's not a matter of morality to me. Uh, I don't think that abortion is a good thing and I wouldn't, I'm not a participant in abortions. Uh, I would say that it's not right for me to do for me, but I look at it purely from uh, just a government angle. You know, yeah. government is not a moral entity. It does all sorts of things that are morally wrong, uh, but it does it for practical reasons. And abortion exists for practical reasons because we have poor people. You know, we have prostitutes, we have rapes, we have teenagers who get pregnant. These are factors in society that we have not alleviated. And we have people that, uh, for whatever reason, the pregnancy doesn't go as planned and could threaten the mother. Sure. Absolutely. You know. Um, Absolutely. And that's a uh, and, and thing think, to bring up as well. Yeah. Uh, well, how about this? How about this? Um, let's say it's not a poor woman. Let's say it's a... Um, a slightly well-to-do woman and uh, she gets pregnant, but uh, you know, that doesn't fit with her plan for her life. Uh, that's her right. Or, okay. I mean, that's uh, what I'm know, trying to I get mean, at because there no, are some I'm, people that say like, if, if you're limiting women's right to choose regardless of class. Um, and I, and I, I would I, say, I don't that, want any limitations on it. It's not my business. No, that's it's not other my business, business either. I'm just saying that, you know, you hear all these arguments from the pros and the antis. Sure. Right. Uh, my argument is typically not made in public because uh, people aren't very philosophical about what the role of government is. Well, they choose, they pick that. and choose what they want the government to do based on whatever their opinion is at the time. It's yeah, same with the like Bible. A, absolutely. So uh, for those readers who don't know me, obviously, readers, listeners who don't know me, uh, I was heavily influenced by John Stuart Mill, uh, who wrote On Liberty and who wrote Utilitarianism. And I pretty much agree 100% with those two treatises. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, Utilitarianism is the concept that decisions should be made based on what brings about the quote-unquote greatest happiness, uh, which I generally think how the is how the government should be run. 
and on liberty is a statement that says the individual should be free to do whatever they want as long as it does not directly harm another individual uh not indirectly but directly harm somebody else see that's uh, similar to to my uh thoughts i don't know where it came from or, or where where it started out but the um the, the my right to swing my fist ends at your face is is basically like a summation right uh of that um not not right. saying that you know giving somebody the old one two isn't sometimes called for uh but it's usually only in self defense um legally speaking um you can't just go waylay somebody because they called you a, a bad name online or something like that um, but then we get into that definition of directly harming another individual. And we've got people that, um, that say an unborn fetus is an individual. Well, that's where utilitarianism comes in, right? The government has to run as a utilitarian entity in order to be fair and prosperous and well-run and, Unfortunately, because of the way our society works, the greatest utility uh, is that citizens have rights and non-citizens don't. Because we, as a society, give benefits and rights and perks to being a citizen. And you have to, in order to give benefits and perks, you have to exclude people who aren't part of the group. Uh, and we don't give uh, social security numbers to unborn children. Right. That the second true. you get that social security number, uh, now you're part of the okay. system. So let's talk about that because you're born and you don't necessarily have to file for the social security number right away. So are you telling me that if you put off filing for the social security number that you could choose to post a post abort <laughs> your <laughs> That's um, a very your interesting I, I did not know that the parent had the option not to file for social security well, number. Not, I figured it was automatic. You know, it's, I don't think it's, no. Well, it's not necessarily automatic. It's something you certainly have to do. Um, but the hospital doesn't really care. You know what I'm saying? Um, you have to fill out the birth certificate. I think that the birthing facility would uh, be kind of like your well, selective service card. You know, like you have to fill it out. Yeah, I don't, you know, I'm not sure. You have to fill out the birth certificate. Uh, but I know that, the, you know, um, until the birth certificate is filed anyway, you don't, you're not assigned a social security number. And it takes the, the social security office uh, some time to assign one because uh, they have all those numbers to count, I guess. Um, sure. We're kind of you know, splitting hairs here, but you know what I mean. Uh, well, it's, no, but yeah. I'm, I'm, do, I'm doing this as part of a devil's advocate group. Yes. Um, That's because true. because I want to let's like delve into it a little bit. Sure. Um, because you know we're a modern society, and even non-modern societies had bureaucracy. Um, so your child is born. Let's say you've got. I, I don't know if there's a if there's a limit b between how long you can go before picking a name. Um, you know what I mean? And filling out the birth certificate, like there's, I'm sure there's some statute of limitations. Like you have to do it at a certain point. Um, but then, but then that's that. If you, if you would sit there and say, until you have a social security number, you're not a citizen, you don't have rights, you're not an individual. Um, there's like a two, maybe a two week window, um, 
between everything being, you know, agreed upon name wise and, and sent in and filed and, and returned. Sure. Um, would that also be a legal time to, to terminate the, the pregnancy? You know, I would say that from a government perspective, they have to establish some point at which you become a citizen and have rights. So if it was at the point of birth or is it at the point of, you know, at social security, I would say it has to be when you have a social security number. Well, uh, okay. So here's the other question myself. because legally, legally, if you're born on American soil, you're an American citizen. Absolutely. And that's why we have so many foreigners that come and, and uh, they call them anchor babies. And if that's a racist term, I'm sorry, but I don't know what else to call them. Sure. Um, so then, but they wouldn't have a social security number uh, immediately either. It's just they were born here. Um, oh, they would have so, a social security number if they're a citizen. Yeah, right. but did they, they file the proper paperwork? Well, that's another question. Yeah, that's I don't know. Question. That's why I'm asking it. Uh, by the way, uh, update, I'm about halfway done with my cigar. You're only halfway done? <laughs> I'm only halfway done. Oh, Mike, Mike, Mike. Uh, uh, I'm just about to the little wrapper, uh, the little... Um, oh, I took my wrapper, wrapper off right away. <laughs> What's it called? I've only got about an... Uh, the band. I've only got about an inch and a half left of the cigar. Oh, see, and I have uh, a good two inches left. Uh, I've been smoking it slow. Uh, I usually okay. like... This a lighter, a lighter tasting tobacco. Very smooth. Yeah, it's and, very uh, smooth. It's got that nice vanilla flavor. Uh, yeah, and just, it, I really enjoy it, and uh, I like to smoke these cigars with my Sarah because she likes them. Okay, yeah. Um, I, here's my thoughts. The first few puffs were not overly vanilla-y. The uh, subsequent, I don't know, fifteen or twenty, pretty strong vanilla. I don't know if it's just uh, my palate acclimating or uh, the vanilla kind of tapering off a little bit. Uh, I still get the vanilla. It's just uh, not as strong. So it's a very smooth, very, very smooth. Um, the sweetest part is probably the very beginning, I think. Um, and it becomes kind of less sweet as you move along. A lot of that has um, to do with the flavor on the wrapper. Which is good for me. Like I, I enjoy, I enjoy this. This is a very good cigar. They're excellent. Uh, I don't particularly care for flavored tobacco products, but those that I do Me like, either. I really like. <laughs> and this is one of my favorites. Uh, well, I can see why. Favorites. Just about anybody can smoke a cigar like this. Yes. Uh, who's of age, of course. But you can definitely give one of these. This was a Robusto size. Uh, I don't know if we said that. But uh, anybody, a non-cigar smoker, can easily smoke one of these and enjoy it. Uh, very nice and light and smooth and still got the good tobacco taste, but uh, they're overall very good cigar. Yeah, it's still very much a cigar. Um, it's right. not it's not one of the air, heavy air quotes uh, cigars that the FDA is trying to ban where you smoke um, grape cough syrup. This is very much a cigar with vanilla in it yes so anyway so uh yeah and you know I, like i say i i'm i am pro-abortion and i i don't pretend to care what the arguments against abortion are because yeah. i i don't uh it's just not practical uh 
and I don't care about the morality of it. <laughs> like, I don't, do I think it's moral? No. Doesn't matter. <laughs> the, it's, the government's not about what's right and wrong. Uh, it's about yeah. what is functional. And what they can tax. Um, right. You know, I mean, we can look at the war on drugs and um, the legalization or, or persecution of marijuana. Um, I guess I'm, I, you know what, I'm going to go out and just say that I am pro uh, citizen's choice, whether that's male, female, uh, or any of the other um, genders. Uh, if you're a citizen, then you have your choice and that should not be infringed by the government. Absolutely. I am very pro personal liberty. Yes. And I don't think that there should be any restrictions on what people can and can't do to themselves. Uh, I support full drug legalization. Uh, well, me too. That's Nobody's going to start smoking meth tomorrow because they legalize it. Uh, it's not a realistic fear. Uh, I'm not going to smoke meth. <laughs> you know, people who are currently smoking meth are doing so. Uh, regardless of what the law states, we might as well make it a little safer, legalize it, and tax it. Oh, yeah. Uh, here, I mean, here, I guess this is kind of, you know, um, here, here's my kind of thought on hard drugs and things. And I, I wouldn't consider marijuana a hard drug. Um, but let's just go, let's go here with preventative laws uh, real quick. I am 100% against preventative laws. Um, if I'm driving home and I'm staying in my lane and you pull me over and I blow over the legal limit, I didn't hurt anybody. I didn't harm anybody else's property. Um, leave me alone. Uh, now, if I am intoxicated and I did damage to somebody's property or I did damage to somebody's person or life, there should be a higher tier of punishment for me um but there shouldn't be preventative if i'm speeding leave me alone if i am speeding and kill somebody or damage property give me a higher tier punishment but do not give me a punishment preventatively for something i have not yet done i'm not as extreme on that as you uh generally i think speed limits in residential neighborhoods should be low and enforced and on highways they should be not there who cares what you're driving as long as the highway drive as fast as you want on the highway it's very difficult to design a highway that way uh granted it's very difficult to design a highway that way but we could initiate an autobahn like policy and you know have people drive in the right lane at a responsible speed and people who want to drive fast have them drive in the left lane. Well, I mean, or that's the, the whole, lanes. that's the whole issue is, is, uh, those slow people in the left lane. Uh, they're ruining it for everybody really. Um, but you know, speed limits, when they were first instituted, uh, the cars were not the same as today. And, um, you know, you've got all of these crazy, crazy things that have come out. And I drive a 2004 Honda Civic. Uh, it doesn't have any sensors. It doesn't have backup cam or anything. And then my wife drives a 2016 uh, Toyota RAV4. And it's got backup cameras. It's got proximity sensors. It's got blind spot detectors. 
Um, it's got radar cruise control of all things. And um, I don't know, you know, if, if those things work and those things are legal, then there shouldn't be a speed limit. Sure. I, like I say, uh, the only issue would be teenagers driving through residential neighborhoods. I could see that. Well, you know, I mean, I understand, <laughs> you know, kids playing in the street. Um, but that also comes kind of down to personal responsibility, too, is uh, if you feel in control of your vehicle is one thing, that's personal responsibility. And if you're not in control of your vehicle, then you need a punishment befitting that. Um the other personal responsibility is the the roads, the streets, and, and and kids aren't perfect, and kids are learning, but but roads are not play areas, you right. know, um, and and that's something that we're working with our daughter on is if we're crossing the street, you hold one of our hands or both, um, you know, we look both ways, and she's not quite two yet, and uh, but she knows when she comes up to the street, she'll reach out for one of our hands. Um, so that's where, I mean, we're working on it. She doesn't do it every single time, but she does it a, a majority of the time. Um, but you know what? All it takes is one time. So, um, I, the, you know, for me, there could be a little wiggle room in, um, in residential areas uh, and things like that. But the other thing is uh, we've got an uncontrolled intersection in our neighborhood here. There's no stop signs whatsoever on one intersection. And that bothers me um, just as a driver because I don't trust other people. <laughs> uh, but we don't we don't really value personal responsibility in our society. So that's uh, that's another kind of contributing factor. Given your neighborhood, I'm guessing you have a lot of uh, Norwegian standoffs at those inter- at that intersection. You know, actually, I've never ever met another car at that intersection. <laughs> uh, but it still bothers me. Uh, I try not to go that way. I go different ways uh, to avoid that intersection because I don't like it. I don't like it. But I love roundabouts, but I hate that that intersection. Most people hate them, the, the roundabout. It I love them. where they're, they're located. They're my favorite thing. I wish every intersection was a roundabout. I know we can't do it because of, um, like, square footage or whatever, uh, but I love roundabouts. A lot um, of it's traffic hate, volume, too. I hate other people trying to use roundabouts, but I love using roundabouts. (laughs) I almost rear-ended an old lady at a a roundabout. I had to uh, take the center of a roundabout to avoid hitting her because she stopped Uh, in the middle of the roundabout. Yep, and that's the problem with roundabouts is people aren't taught them, and they can't. It's almost like, can you fix my Wi-Fi? Can you teach me how to use this roundabout? Like, it's simple. Uh, same one. Somebody came backwards down down that same one, and uh, was going, going a circle, man. Down the down the road when I was driving down it. <laughs> yeah, it's you. Uh, uh, it's it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, pe- people are interesting. Um, so. I don't think we solved the Roe v. Wade thing. Um, one of the concerns I saw online, and it's very tough now for me to decipher if people are actually uh, being reasonable or if they're trying to perpetuate a political message uh, one way or the other. But they were saying that if Roe v. Wade gets overturned, then uh, they might also make like condoms illegal unless you're married or something. And um, I don't know. There's a lot of uh, open room there. 
and I will say this is one thing that I will say that is political. I feel that I have not been pro or anti Democrat or Republican too much, but as of today, uh, and it has been for a long time, there's a bill in the Senate with 48 Democratic sponsors who have already written onto it that would legalize abortion nationwide. And those weak Democrats will not bring it up for a vote, even though they have 48 signatures. So those of you who are going to say all Republican this and Republican that, you're barking up the wrong tree. The Democratic Party are the ones who have caused this problem because they can't put the pressure on the members of the Senate and the members of Congress to pass the law, even though they have a majority. They have a majority in the Senate, they have a majority in the Congress, and they have the presidency. They could easily pass this through. Easily. No problem at all. And they won't fucking do it. So if you want to look at who's responsible, if you're pro-abortion, look at your Democratic senators and congresspeople. And the or president. better yet, give them a call. Send them a letter. Sure. I, mean, I don't know if that works. Um, I think it, I, you know, I think it does. <laughs> I mean, it might. So like, it might. Let them. I, don't, I, I don't know. But I know I know, that, I know uh, usually they don't read them. Their aides do. But, uh, right. I know, know one of the big talking points during the last election was that Joe Biden was going to be an arm twister because he was in the Senate for so many years. And it's like, well, the people who are in charge of the government, who are all Democrats, are not willing to bring up the dirty laundry of their fellow uh, members of government to get this law passed. And that's yeah, what but they're it takes. all like. They're all like 102 years old, though. Well, I know. But, you know, there's always dirty laundry to bring out, you know. Well, LB, yeah. LBJ was having secret meetings with Republicans in his bathroom. You know what I mean? Like they can. Do the nipple pinch if they got to do it, fucking do it. Of all the places to do a secret meeting. He did. He did, famously. He would take shits and talk to people and threaten them. <laughs> well, you know, I guess if you're talking to somebody taking an angry shit and they're threatening you, they don't really have a whole lot to fear. Right. But, so that's, you know, that that, that is my little political statement is that there is a bill... There's been a bill, it's the same bill that's been around forever, and it's basically codifying Roe versus Wade into federal law, which would make the Supreme Court null and void, but they won't do it because they don't want to do it, because they want to run on it, because it's a political issue, and they don't care about the consequences, and uh, there's, no, there's no negative repercussions for them doing so, and they're going to continue to do it, probably. Uh, yeah, and you know what? Um, I don't know if we talked about it, but I uh, I don't vote anymore. Um, I used to, and I used to vote third party, and um, until I realized, and it was, uh, I learned that uh, Republicans and Democrats work together to keep third parties off the ballot because they feed all the media, and they say, hey, you know, a vote for third party is stealing a vote from insert your favorite political party of the two here. Um, and they work very efficiently together to keep third parties off the ballots, to keep third parties out of the public mind, um, you know, and they work very hard to, to keep things that keep them in power is kind of what it comes down to. And 
uh, it's very, very frustrating uh, for somebody who was kind of taught that even one vote can count and matter. Uh, but with the Electoral College and with the kind of the brainwashing of the American populace with uh, third parties, our wasted votes, it's going to take a, a huge campaign to undo that in the public eye, I think. Well, the winner takes all voting system we have uh, benefits a two party system. And it is just a fact that the Democrats and the Republicans are almost identical on every issue that matters. Yeah. Uh, that being economics, war, taxes. They agree on all the things that actually affect how government works. Yeah. And, and they fight on the is, little little things that don't affect them, but could have huge consequences for, for citizens. Sure. It has huge consequences, but there's typically, and this is in my opinion, the arguments usually don't have negative consequences if they just do the quote unquote right thing. You know, yeah. uh, legalizing gay marriage didn't negatively affect anybody. Uh, ha people owning guns legally doesn't negatively affect anyone. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a lot of these issues that they want to talk about. There's no negative consequences for half of the issue, quote unquote. You know, uh, trans people having basic human rights does not negatively affect anyone. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, a, a lot of it's just bullshit. It's bullshit because it makes people emotional and they want to talk about morality and oh, blah, blah, blah. And. You know, it doesn't matter. What matters is that uh, we don't have a flat tax. What matters is we don't have universal health care. What matters is that we are fighting wars on multiple continents. What matters is we have 180 military bases. What matters is that our military takes half of our budget. What matters is we're running deficits every year. But both parties want to run deficits. Both parties want to have fucking a huge war machine. Both well, of course they both, do. You know, both parties don't want to tax corporations. Both parties don't want to put tariffs on foreign-made goods, so it won't change. And those things would have real long-term benefits, you know. Yeah. Not to sit on my uh, high horse or you know up in my tower. Hey, it's called but, uh, it's called a soapbox, Mike. Yeah, I know, I know. It's it's, it's, it's all bullshit. It's what it is. It's all bullshit. Yeah. But you know what? It's our <laughs> podcast, and if we have soapboxes, then they're ours to stand on. I guess so, yeah. Um, you know. But, you know, no, I agree. Um, it's very – it's one of those things where the more you learn about American politics, um, kind of the more depressed you become. Um, oh, sure. I, I, I love the uh, – there's a CNN quote, and they were talking about firearm control after a school shooting, which I'm anti-school shooting. Like yeah, everybody me, else, me right? too. I just I want to yeah, make that yeah. clear that we'll we're, both anti -school clear that we're both anti-school shooting. But uh, some CNN host said fully semi-automatic firearms. And it's like, what a manipulation to people who don't understand firearms. Yeah. Fully semi-automatic is a nonsense term and to scare people that don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Yeah. You know, and uh, I don't like Steven Crowder. I'm not a fan, but he did a great video where he had a bunch of models of the Ruger 1022, and he had okay, people yeah. point at which ones they wanted banned and which ones would be legal. And then, of course, they pointed all the ones that were souped up with the extended magazines and they had plastic <laughs> stocks. And, you know, they're yeah, like, yeah. oh, that one's okay. And it's like the wood one with a short magazine in it. 
Yeah. And it's like, they're all extended magazines uh, or they're all yeah. the same gun. You know, they're all the same firing mechanism. Well, yeah, it's all the same. It's all the same thing. Mine is stainless. I've got a Ruger 1022 stainless steel composite stock. I've got a couple of banana clips, uh, you know, quote unquote, <laughs> banana clips. Yeah. High I also have a Ruger magazines. 1022. <laughs> yeah. And it's wood. And I have yeah. a lot of 25 round, all Ruger branded magazines. Well, yours uh, is safe and mine is not very clearly. Yeah, because mine's wood. Yeah, it's got a scope on it, too. Yeah, mine's stainless steel. I don't have a scope. I just got the pop-up sights, so. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, No, I have a a scope. I used to shoot prairie dogs with it. We would do all that. And obviously, you know where I live. It's like shooting squirrels and porcupines and, you know, skunks and stuff. Oh, yeah, just the rodents. Even though the last one, last skunk I shot, I shot with a deer hunting rifle. (laughs) (laughs) Well, sometimes you got to send them extra quick to God. I just wanted to make sure that I hit it and it died right away and, you know, all yeah. those things. <laughs> yep. But. The humane thing. Yeah, I was trying to be, I was trying to be as humane as possible. And it was way, it was long enough to where I wasn't quite sure that 22 was going to be able to, you know, I, I wasn't sure about my optics. <laughs> yes. So, um, anyway, it's, it's, it's all AstroTurf and this. I feel that abortion is along the same lines. Um, the most of the people that really care about abortion are not going to be affected by the laws changing. Uh, you know, it's kind of a hidden issue, people getting abortions. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, there's a definitely a social stigma around it. Um, oh, sure. And now they're publishing various... Uh, animal medicines you can take to induce abortion and you know there's all sorts of stuff like yeah, that yeah you know i think uh and maybe that's a good point and maybe a good um because i'm done with my cigar and it was it was very delightful i did enjoy that um but i think that by making abortion illegal or trying to or giving people the impression that it is uh will make people do more dangerous things and by doing that you are not not having your citizens best interests in mind when you're passing laws which is one of the functions of government uh, allegedly Um, and it's kind of the same with drugs and are drugs legal or not legal and if they're not well guess what somebody's going to go huff glue or somebody's going to I don't know, do something else um, when they could be getting a legally illegal uh, amount of drugs. Um, the, the only kind of a- anecdote that I have is uh, going to like a, a weed dispensary. You know exactly the content of, of THC and CBD and, and everything in those drugs is right on the package. You're not taking a chance that somebody put rat poison in it or or whatever else you might mix with it or cut with it to, to save a buck and make more money at the drug dealer's table. You know, you know exactly what's in it. It's been tested. It's there. It's safe. You know, you know the amount, the potency. Um, the same with drinking beer. You can look right on the can or the package. What's the ABV? You know, right. you know, they're all legal things like there's there's no harm in legalizing everything. Uh, the leading cause of death of 18 to 48 year olds is drug overdose. Yeah. And it was during the pandemic and it is now. And it's largely caused by fentanyl being cut into the drug supply 
and people are largely unaware of it. So if we really want to save American lives, we'd legalize drugs and people would go to the pharmacist and pick up their heroin. So there wasn't any fucking fentanyl in it. And I think to be clear, fentanyl is a legal drug. It's legal. Um, right. And it's been, and it's been um, oh, lobbied for. And the big powers that be, uh, big uh, pharma companies, have uh, lobbied to keep that legal, uh, Oxycontin and uh, other narcotics that are terrible, terrible things when you could just smoke weed or some other drug that's a lot safer but illegal. Right. And, uh, you know, if, if people want to use fentanyl, if they could pick it up legally... Then they would know the dose they would need, and they wouldn't overdose. Well, they yeah. overdose they, less often. They might still overdose. Right? It's a reduction but, of harm. But at least you could put it squarely on them, and not on the drug companies that just make this stuff, pump it out, and want people to use it. Right. You know, I mean, look at all a, the the drug ads on TV. Is this drug right for you? Go ask your doctor. We're the only country in the world where drug companies market directly to citizens. New Zealand. In, Oh, New Zealand is too. Yep, New Zealand's the other one, but they have um, a universal health care system, so yeah. It's but kind most of other places, <laughs> the doctors are the experts, and if the doctors think your drug is good, they're going to recommend it. And if they think it's bad, they're not. But here, right. they get a cut for everybody who gets whatever drug it is. Right. And uh, like like you say, it's this is a, a tertiary issue to the main event, but there is an argument to be made that uh, Russia is or not Russia, China is initiating a quote-unquote third opium war uh, because they're allowing mass production, legal production of fentanyl and illegal sale to the United States. Uh, so, but that's a separate, you know, obviously not related to Roe versus Wade. <laughs> yes, it might be another <laughs> another might, podcast topic in the future. Yeah, it might but, be another uh, podcast topic in the future. Uh, but. Well, the point is to say that uh, the government, uh, we're just trying to get to the bottom of what the government should or shouldn't be doing. Uh, for its citizens, and I hope that we have shown that maybe um, government limiting things that could be safely done if they were legal uh, is dangerous to everybody. Right. And as an update, last final cigar update, I am borderline roach clipping this, and it is still lovely. Yeah, uh, you know what? I smoked <laughs> a lot more off of this one than the, than the Cohiba. And um, I could have kept going, but my fingers are getting a bit warm, so I... That's uh, where I'm at now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, CEO Moontrance, uh, I'm for them. I, like uh, I them too, am for them. I, rec um, I recommend, if you see them at a cigar shop and you've never had one, buy two. <laughs> yep. And if you don't see them at your cigar shop, call your congressman. That's right. Fight against the man <laughs> or woman or, they, or them. them. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time. Have enjoy. a good weekend. <laughs>